Hello and welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod. Coming at you with our full Week Eight preview here on a Friday afternoon. Cody, uh, we can just jump right in here because the first bit of news that I have involves your favorite team. I'll go ahead and let you react to it, but that is Kadarius Tony being traded to the Chiefs for a third and a sixth round pick. I would say this is a surprising trade to say the least. Uh, a lot of times we have. You know, at least some buzz coming out beforehand of, you know, I we've seen a lot of Kareem Hunt to the Rams buzz. We saw some buzz um, before the Christian McCaffrey trade to the 49ers. Uh, so that wasn't necessarily a surprise in that regard. But this one, I didn't see anything about Tony to the Chiefs before it happened. Cody, I'll go ahead and let you give me the analysis from the Chiefs' perspective on this trade. Yeah, I, I think this is just a... I mean, he was a first-round pick a couple years ago, and they only had to give up a third and a six. So I think they're just taking a shot on someone that has looked as close to Tyreek Hill as you can in the NFL. So they probably just feel like they need an element of speed in that offense that MVS and other guys aren't giving to them, which I assume is why that they went out and got Tony. Um, for actual football value, I think Tony can bring a little bit more to the offense. Um you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes is his quarterback. He's going to be able to get him the ball down the field quite a bit. Um, and it, But for fantasy, it kind of just ruins all options on that offense. I mean, if Tony can get healthy and get on the field, he may be able to establish himself as a wide receiver one. But even if he does it one week, are you going to trust it the next? And if so, you know, I, I don't know. I, there's a lot that's going to have to, you know, become uncovered after this trade. I'm glad they did it while they were on by gives him a week to get in and learn the offense again if he is healthy to play and that's the biggest thing with this trade for me is one i would rather have someone who could stop the run if we we're going to give up uh draft picks and two someone who's healthy that has actually played in nfl games um so really long-winded there i'm happy i'm hoping that he can kind of you know get it go keep the trajectory that he was on last year and become a really good wide receiver um really i feel like this was just a a buy low opportunity for him that they took, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm kind of indifferent on the trade because I feel like it was at, it was at a position that we don't necessarily need, but if it's a home run, it's, it's just going to be a huge jump up for the offense. So I don't know. How do you feel about it as, as a resident Broncos fan? I mean, now that we have Tony lining up against your, your third, you know, pass or your third, third DB, like, are you concerned? Yeah. Like I, I don't, he just doesn't do that much to me because we haven't seen him actually, do a lot in the NFL. He has boom games, but then he's out for the majority of his career. So I'm just, I don't know how I feel, honestly. I'll have to see if he can actually play. From a Broncos perspective, or just a fan of the Chiefs not doing well perspective, I think I, uh, you know, I would have been more scared if you guys have gone out and traded a third and a six for a decent pass rusher. I feel like that would just fill a bigger need on your team right now, for sure, but uh, I mean, obviously he's talented, and from a fantasy perspective, I totally agree with you. I think it probably tanks all of the options just because it adds another, you know, variable to a lineup that already had quite a few of them. And uh, I think he's definitely worth a pickup to go check your your waiver wire, make sure he's rostered. Yes. You know, he's just too good, and this this team is too good, and this is actually a decent amount of capital to give up for a wide receiver at this point. I know he was a first-round pick just a couple years ago, but like you said, he's been injured a lot and generally just not performed to uh, to, the, to the way the Giants would probably have expected of him coming uh, out of a first-round pick. So I think a third and a six is a decent investment. Shows that the Chiefs want to you know, involve him in their offense to at least some degree, so definitely worth a pickup, but 
Yeah, this is probably just going to make it very muddy for the rest of the options other than to, uh, Travis Kelsey, which has kind of already been the case to this point in the year. Uh, it was just it was interesting to me for sure giving up a third and a six to bolster an offense that just hung 44 on the road against a good 49ers <laughs> defense. I, I didn't I see will... that as the need for this team, but uh, I mean obviously it, it it'll make them better and if Tony stays healthy he'll be he'll be interesting. Yeah, I did just think of one other thing. McCole Hardman, I'm pretty sure, is on the last year of his deal. I don't know if he stays with the Chiefs or if he gets paid to go somewhere else. So Tony may just be a a long-term replacement for that speed option like McCole Hardman is also. And if that's the way they're going with it, and he's – I mean, he did give up a third and a six, so he is going to be involved. I I just don't know. I just don't know how they get him involved enough to be, you know, super relevant for fantasy and give them a jump on – their offensive side because like you said they've been really good without Tony so I don't know we'll see if he can get healthy if he can get healthy and on the field hopefully it's a bump for our offense but it's already the second best offense in the NFL so maybe just you know loading up for that AFC championship game against the Bills yeah as far as actionable fantasy advice I would just say go pick up Tony and you know see what happens there and the uh, the only other thing I got you're just holding the rest of the options they were already kind of you know the boom bust flex type of options anyway I don't really think that changes very much maybe Sky more if you were holding yeah, on to I him think, hoping that yeah. he could do something in the second half you can probably drop him and redraft now just don't see any sort of path for him at this point seems like you're gonna have to wait till next year for you know dynasty or keeper formats to have any value out of Sky more yeah, I completely agree with that. All right, I'm going to run through the rest of our injuries here. We have one more kind of big piece of news that came through yesterday that we can sort of discuss before I get into uh, the other injuries for this week, and that is Jamar Chase. Uh, he is going to be out for four to six weeks with a hip injury. Pretty big surprise here. Uh, we did see him leave for a short time against Atlanta on Sunday, uh, but then he came back and he was all right for the second half. So definitely didn't see this coming. I don't know how much actionable advice there is here. Obviously, a uh, big bump up for Tyler Boyd and uh, T. Higgins, but I think those guys were already rostered in most of your leagues, I would imagine. Maybe if you're in a really shallow league, go pick up Tyler Boyd if he's out there. But other than that, you know, those guys become more interesting, but they were kind of already in your lineup slash on your roster anyway. So other than that, I don't see a ton of fantasy actionable advice other than just you're going to hold on to Jamar Chase, and it definitely sucks, but... He's going to be on your bench for a couple weeks. Hopefully he comes back uh, on the shorter end of that timeline, but we'll see. Yeah, and this is the exact reason why all leagues should at least have one IR spot. Because now, Jamar, if you don't have an IR, now you can't drop Jamar Chase. So now he's a roster no. clog for the next four to six weeks. So if you're in a league that does not have an IR, something worth thinking about adding for next season or implement it midseason, but I don't know. Um, with, yeah, with this, there's really nothing, you know, that, nothing actionable you can do for fantasy. Um, I think Hayden Hurst maybe actually gets a little bit of a bump just because of the passing. Call. Jamar Chase just is, has a lot of passing volume, so it's going to have to go elsewhere. Um, so Hayden Hurst gets a slight bump at the tight end position, but like you said, I, I, as soon as I got the notification, I checked in all five of my leagues, Tyler Boyd was rostered in every single one of them. So it was just unfortunate. Um, if you had Boyd and you were holding on to him, uh, you're going to be extremely happy. You just got a startable asset for the next four to six weeks. Yep, we'll keep you updated on the Bengals. But, yeah, like you said, Hayden Hurst, bump up for sure. But Higgins and Boyd were already probably starts for you heading into this week. And now they are just even more so that uh, moving forward, at least for the next four to six weeks. But hopefully Jamar, Jamar can come back and get healthy for your fantasy playoff run. 
Uh, I've got some other injuries I want to update everybody on, so let's get into that real quick. Uh, Chiefs and Chargers on a bye this week, by the way, so either one of those teams, if you have some guys in your lineup, make sure you get them out. They will not play this weekend. So, uh, the last bit of news that I have before I get into the rest of the injuries is the Jets. Uh, they're going to use a hot hand approach at the running back position, not necessarily a surprise. Just muddies things for Michael Carter and James Robinson. I think we'll just have to see how this plays out for a couple weeks before we're comfortable, you know, giving advice as to which one of these guys is going to be the leader in this backfield. I would go with Carter to start, but again, we'll we'll get more into that when we get to the matchups. So, as for the injuries that are uh, in effect for this weekend, uh, Chuba Hubbard will not play. He's already been ruled out by the Panthers. So, uh, as we'll get to later, Deontay Foreman becomes a pretty interesting start. Baker Mayfield is healthy, but he will be the backup to P.J. Walker on Sunday and probably moving forward, uh, unless Walker is to, you know, completely fall off the, 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 the wagon here. But he's been pretty good the past couple weeks. Zeke is a toss-up this weekend. I'd expect him to sit uh, with their bye next week. He does not want to sit. Uh, his comments coming out have basically been, you know, my injury is pain-related, and I'm not going to sit for a pain-related injury. But then Jerry Jones came out today and said it makes a lot of sense for them to sit him this weekend with the bye next week so I think either way even if Zeke plays I would imagine he doesn't see maybe his normal workload so I'd be looking elsewhere for Ezekiel Elliott uh, Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry still not practicing I think they have to get in at least a, a limited practice before we're going to see them on the field so they'll probably be out this weekend Debo Samuel this is a big one he missed practice Wednesday and Thursday he also has a bye next week, so I would imagine he gets sat uh, for the 49ers. He's had a lot of problems with soft tissue injuries, so would make uh, make a lot of sense for them not to risk it. They obviously have a lot of options now with Christian McCaffrey in that offense, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. I feel like they can uh, go one week without Debo. Alan Lazard hasn't practiced. He said he expects to miss this uh, this weekend, so if you have a player saying that, I would, I would believe him. Probably going to go elsewhere from Lazard this weekend. DK Metcalf has missed practice Wednesday and Thursday. He still has a chance to play, but he was expected to miss multiple weeks with that knee injury. So I'd, I'd, I'd expect him to miss at least one, even though the uh, you know the reports came back positive there. Devontae Adams, he's missed Wednesday and Thursday with the flu. He should be available, but another one to monitor. These things are very hard to predict uh, when it comes to illnesses with players, obviously, because you know you never really know. Josh Jacobs on his team also limited by the foot a, a foot injury in practice. He should be fine, but uh, he's been limited the past couple days, so just keep an eye on him. James Conner, as well, has been limited on Wednesday and Thursday. I'd expect him back. He was a game-time decision last Thursday, so you'd think a 10-day window would give him time enough to heal up to play in this one. And then Daryl Henderson also missed practice with an illness, but he came back on Thursday for a limited session, so I think uh, I would put him in the same boat as Adams. Just keep an eye on him, but he should be good to go as well. Cody, any uh, specific reaction to those injuries? You want to just get into the matchups. The only reaction I have is, thank God the NFL is not testing for COVID anymore. And the only reason I thought about that is because Devontae Adams has the flu, and it's just so nice not to have to worry about sitting players for COVID or uh, you know, Sunday morning, them testing positive, or Saturday morning, whatever the test day was. That is, it's just so nice to have a fantasy football season where that's not an issue. Uh, it's obviously been a couple of years, so just wanted to point that out because I kind of just realized that's something we have not had to mention once this year. Yeah, you're right about that. It's a there, there are plenty of wrinkles in fantasy football with with injuries and everything else that that come into play. Anyway, you don't need don't need that extra one to to worry about, especially because those things can just like you said pop up on a Saturday right before a Sunday. So it, it yeah. definitely added a an element of unknown that is already pretty much there in fantasy. So 
Yeah, my level of tilt hasn't changed at all, though. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's still the same, absolutely. Um, All right, so moving into these matchups here, we'll start with the London game. My Denver Broncos play against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Both teams enter this one at 2-5. and Jacksonville favored by two and a half points in their future home stadium of London. Uh, I think that's Wembley. Over-unders 40 and a half. Uh, On the Denver side, I'm not ready to start Russell Wilson in any capacity. He is an interesting stash. They have a pretty light schedule in the second half of the year, but you need him to get healthy and need him to show you something before you can put him back in your lineup. The running backs are a uh, similar boat here. I think both these guys are pretty much just going to split this 50-50. That's what it looks like anyway with Mike Boone missing, so at least that variable is gone. But uh, Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray both are desperation flexes to me. I'd probably rather rather start Murray because I think he would be the goal line guy if they got there, but I wouldn't really argue with you if you went Melvin. I'm just trying to avoid both of these guys until it uh, becomes a little more clear one way or another between them. Any disagreements on the Broncos running backs there, Cody? No, I, I was going to save this question for later, but would you start um, Kareem Hunt, Latavius Murray, or Melvin Gordon if you had those three or one of those, one of the two Denver guys against Kareem Hunt? Uh, it's a little narrative-y, and I don't love to rely on that sort of thing, but I might go Latavius Murray out of that group just because I believe that uh, the Browns may be holding out hope they can trade Kareem Hunt, so I think they are less likely to give him the you know his normal 12 to 15 touches, right. probably just keep him on that 6 to 10 touch diet that he's been on, so I think I would lean Murray and Gordon. And there's always the, always the possibility he gets traded on you know Saturday or or Sunday because they have a Monday night game and then you're yeah. ended up you know then you end up having not, nothing to go off with Hunt. So I'd probably just play one of these guys for the guaranteed production, but it's not much guaranteed production from these guys. So yeah, just manage your expectations. Uh, on the wide receivers, a little bit more interested than I am for the running backs, but you know not excited right now with these guys. I prefer Sutton with Russ returning. Obviously, he's had uh, the higher target share while Russ has been in. Judy did last week, but that was with Rippin at quarterback. So I'm okay going back to Sutton here. You know, Jacksonville doesn't really scare you from a matchup perspective. So I think he'll be uh, better with Russ under center. And then Judy is kind of the, you know, quintessential boom-bust flex play. He can always break a big one because of his speed, but he is the, you know, 1B in this offense, and it's not a very good offense right now uh, to begin with. So you don't really love these guys uh, for fantasy I you know just throw them in that low-end flex play category if you got to start them you got to start them obviously a lot of guys uh, on by this week with the Chiefs and Chargers and a lot of injuries as well so just keep your expectations in check with Judy yeah I I, honestly I think you could say keep your expectations in check with both of them because I I agree I prefer Sutton with Russ returning but now we got Russ coming off an injury and he's already looked pretty bad this season so um, I, I agree I still have Sutton over Judy, but I think they're both kind of somewhat risky plays this week. Definitely a low floor on both of them. I am a little bit more comfortable with Sutton, though. I just feel like he's going to get some For guaranteed sure. targets in a game where I don't believe the Broncos will be able to run the ball very well with Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray being the options. And then uh, the tight end position, we actually have an interesting option uh, at these days with Greg Dulcich. Really like the player so far. Love what I've seen from him just, you know, as a dude and as a uh, NFL prospect to this point. Only two games, but the involvement has been very encouraging. I think he's a solid streamer this week, and he's got the potential to move into, you know, starting ca- starting category with this Broncos offense kind of needing a, uh, you know, a jolt from somewhere. So I think he could work his way into a, you know, six to eight target per week volume uh, if he 
keeps playing this well. So I, I'm okay if, if you have to throw him in your lineup this week if you have, uh, you know, Gerald Everett or Travis Kelsey on by. Yeah, I have him as a mid-tier streamer for this week, and I think that this is a guy that if you are streaming the tight end position, he's worth a pickup even if you're not going to play him this week, if he's still out there. Um, he is someone that Nick said could potentially become a weekly play. I think he's going to stay in the streaming category unless you know something crazy happens. So um, he's, he's still worth the pickup in my mind. Um, and at, for someone who doesn't mind watching the Broncos lose, he's actually someone that's fun to watch on their team, which has, <laughs> on the offensive side has been absolutely no one so far this year, besides Javante Williams before his injury. Yeah, unfortunately, no argument on my part. Uh, on the Jacksonville side, let's get off my Broncos. I can only talk <laughs> about them so much without getting a headache. So we're going to go to the Jaguars. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, only in Superflex. We're not looking at him as a streamer this week. The Broncos have not allowed a passing touchdown since week three. So you don't want to start Trevor Lawrence. If he breaks that trend, I doubt it'll be more than one, and that's probably yep. not going to be enough to be a, a good starter for fantasy. ETN, however, is a great start. That's where the Broncos have been beat. You are uh, definitely looking at, you know, ETN is a solid starter right now with Robinson being traded. And uh, obviously the Broncos just, that's where they give up points uh, on the fantasy side of things. So he's locked in your lineup. Wide receivers, a little bit uh, worried with them this week, uh, especially Zay Jones. He plays more on the outside. I would expect he sees Pat Sertan. A little bit more than Christian Kirk does, but either way, both of them are in a very tough matchup. As I just said, they have not allowed a touchdown uh, through the air, let alone to wide receivers uh, since week three. So both of these guys are kind of sketchy flex plays to me. Uh, Jones being a little bit behind Kirk, as I said, because he'll probably see more of Sertan. So I think you've been starting Christian Kirk to this point. You can still throw him in there as a wide receiver three type, but again, just manage your expectations. These Jacksonville guys are, uh, you know, a risky play this week against this tough defense. Same with Evan Ingram. Uh, he's in, he's, he's, he's just always in that streaming category, but the guys with tough matchups fall to the, to the back end of that streaming category each week. So I would, I would probably try to avoid him as well. Yeah, I, I agree with just about everything you said. I actually tiered out the running backs a little bit, and I have Travis Etienne as an RB1, surprisingly enough. So I think he's he's destined to have a really good game this week. Like you said, the the Denver uh, no-fly zone is kind of back into effect right now because it's almost impossible to throw the ball against them. Um, and then wide receivers are super easy for me. I want no part of anyone that's lining up against Pat Sertan. Uh, and Christian Kirk luckily plays in the slot. So if there's going to be someone who's going to get some passing um, that I could see getting the passing work in this game, it's going to be Christian Kirk. So I think that he's a fine play. And then just want to throw out Evan Ingram as kind of just a weekly low-end flex option if you have no other option there. Yeah, that's, he kind of falls into that category. But I think there's a there's a couple other guys in the tight end position I, I like out of the streaming category this week, inc including Greg Dulcich on the other side. I would play him over Evan Ingram, and uh, we'll get to the other guys as we move on. Next game here, Carolina at Atlanta. Atlanta favored by four points. The over-under is 41. I would like to see what the over-under is on total passing attempts in this game. I wonder if they get to 30 on both sides. I think I might take the under on that one, to be honest. This game could be over in about two hours with how quickly these teams like to work and how, you know, how much running we'll see. I think, the, you know, the, we'll, we'll see the play clock. At the clock's one, not going to stop moving. Time the ball is going to snap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This could be a very quick game, and maybe uh, you know some limited opportunities on both sides. So just kind of keep that in mind as we move forward here. On the Carolina side, as I said earlier, PJ Walker will be the starter. He's a low end QB two. We're not really considering him at all for one quarterback leagues just yet. 
Maybe if he starts to run some more, he can uh, become an option in the right matchup, but not for now. And uh, as I also said earlier, Deontay Foreman, he's a strong play this week with no Chubba Hubbard. Should be the main running back, and he showed out pretty well against a tough Tampa run D last week, so I'd expect him to be a solid play against Atlanta in a game they you know, should compete just fine in, I think. Uh, I would probably take the Panthers and the points. I'm a little surprised to see a minus four line for Atlanta in this one. Probably won't make its way onto the best bet sheet just because, again, I sort of have a rule of not betting divisional games, but uh, that one is tempting. I'm surprised to see Carolina laying four points. I, I feel like these are two pretty similar teams in my mind. Uh, yeah, DJ Moore, I, though. I oh, no, go ahead. You have anything? Oh, you I was going to say, I agree with you, and yeah, I agree with you on Foreman and Walker as well, and the under uh, might actually reach the uh, best bets. Just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, again, uh, the, the the divisional game is the only thing throwing me off that, but I, if it was all all things being equal, I do like the under and I like Carolina in this game. Surprised to see the line uh, where it's at. DJ Moore is back on the radar. He's uh he has the low floor. As I mentioned before, the you know the passing volume just in total in this game is a concern, but Moore's gonna get half the targets most likely, or at least uh, you know, somewhere near there. So I think he's in your lineup. And uh, with the Atlanta corners banged up, you have a little bit more confidence in him as well. Uh, again, we've seen his low floor, so that still exists, but Cody, I have a, uh, a a little list here to get a temperature check on DJ Moore right now for you. So, would you rather start DJ Moore, Christian Kirk, Brandon Cooks, or Najee Harris? Ha- Najee Harris at Philly, Brandon Cooks at home against Tennessee, and Christian Kirk, as we just mentioned, against Denver in London. Yeah, I I think DJ Moore. Uh, you know, I'm gonna put Brandon Cooks above DJ Moore for one more week, and and we'll get into Brandon Cooks when we talk about. Um, uh, Houston, I just I, th- I feel like that it has to turn around for him a little bit. So I'm going to go Brandon Cooks one, but I would actually go DJ Moore two because we've finally just seen this offense just pepper him with targets, and there's no reason for him not to have that for the rest of the year. This team is bad. Um, you know they'll be lucky to squeak out a few wins. I wouldn't doubt if doubt it if the owner wants to lose because they want a, a superstar at quarterback. But DJ Moore deserves to have nothing less than 10 targets a game on this offense, especially now that CMC's gone. So um, I like him. And then Christian Kirk, Najee Harris. I'm just going to go Christian Kirk 3, Najee Harris 4, just because he's playing Philadelphia. Yeah, I think I would I'd flip Najee and Kirk, but those guys are on the, on the back end of the options. I think that's the more important point here. I, I, I would go Cooks as well with some of the other guys in Houston banged up give him one more week against a soft secondary if he doesn't come through then we can have a conversation about just putting him on your bench for now uh but yeah i i I have confidence in Moore as well i think he'll see some he'll at least see six targets in this game and has opportunity for more than that and obviously always can break a big play so i'm actually have more confidence with him uh you know with pj walker under center than i did with baker mayfield which is just kind of sad to say for baker's side but hopefully dj Moore can continue to be involved for Um, sure Moving on to Atlanta, I think Marcus Mariota kind of finds himself as you know a similar option to P.J. Walker. He's pretty much only in uh, two quarterback leagues right now. Just does not have the passing volume to be uh, involved enough uh, to be you know an option in a one quarterback league. Unfortunately, hopefully that changes as the year goes on. But with Arthur Smith being the coach, I doubt it does. That leads me to Tyler Algier. Uh, one more week of viability for him. It looks like Cordero Patterson will be returning next week. Uh, I think he's a nice buy-low candidate. If you can, uh, go snag him up before he 
you know, becomes the starter once again because we know that Atlanta will feed their running backs. And I don't think any one of these guys, be it Algier or Huntley, has shown out enough to, you know, eat into Patterson's workload once he's healthy. Uh, but anyway, I think Algier is an RB2 play this week because Huntley is banged up and he saw a larger share of the of the uh, the rushing work last week anyway. So I, I expect him to see, you know, 16 to 20 carries in this one. And that's good enough to find yourself on the RB2 tier, even if you're not involved in the passing game. I have a few guys I want to get your temperature on Algier with. Uh, we'll go Tyler Algier, Brian Robinson Jr. against the Colts, or the aforementioned Christian Kirk against the Broncos. Well, I feel like uh, Algier and Brian Robinson Jr. are basically the same player. Um, just the They're going to run the ball a lot, be very limited in the passing game, if at all. Um, I guess I would lean slightly Algier, just because I, I think that he just this offense is just going to continuously run the ball more than um, Washington will. So I, I just think that Algier is slightly above Robinson in that respect. Um, and I... I'm also going to take Algier over Kirk. Um, that one may be a little bit situation depending. If I need maybe a big game, I might go Kirk and hope he finds the end zone a couple times. But if I just need to get consistent points out there this week, I'm going to I'm going to lean Algier. Yeah, I actually kind of like Algier this week. I think he has yeah, again one more yeah. good week of viability, and this is just a a chance for him at home being the favorite team to to get a solid workload against a beatable Carolina defense. I, a solid I, one, but not one that necessarily scares you. Yep, I have one more for Tyler Algier for you. If if Zeke is a go, would you play Algier over Zeke? I think I would. I'm really trying to avoid Zeke this week. Uh, again, a uh, little narrative but I just believe with their bye next week, if uh, you know the Dallas Cowboys find themselves up a couple scores against the Bears in the second half, I think you'll see a lot more Pollard than you will Zeke with his injury. Um, it just makes too much sense for them to, to rest him up over the bye and get him back healthy uh, for the stretch run here for the Cowboys. So... I think yeah. I would go Algier for his guaranteed workload. Uh, pass catchers for Atlanta. Uh, we're not looking this way right now. Uh, that's London and Kyle Pitts. Obviously, Pitts is hes probably a little more relevant just because of the dearth of options at the tight end position. But as I said, I, I have a lot of streamers, actually, that I like this week for the tight end spots. So I think I would be putting Pitts on my bench. I'd rather start uh, the, you know, the Greg Dulcich that we just mentioned. I'd rather start Hayden Hurst. Uh, assuming he plays, he's a little banged up uh, with Jamar out. I'd rather start him. And then I would probably go even down to uh, a Taysom Hill in a game with a pretty high over under instead of Kyle Pitts. Just not enough volume right now for uh, these Atlanta receivers. Yeah, I, I agree with you a little bit. I think Kyle Pitts is just, his high end is still just above the majority of tight ends so I think he he does deserve a little bit of respect in that sense but I it's not very much so I, I tend to agree with you I'd play Tanyan over him for sure but I think I'd still go with Kyle Pitts over Taysom and Hayden Hurst Taysom I don't know Taysom I'd have to think about because I'd imagine that's probably a uh you had a shan- chance to get Taysom Hill that week Kyle Pitts missed so you might have both those guys on your roster May lean Taysom over him, but I think I'm still going Kyle Pitts over Hayden Hurst. Um, just kind of more of a gut call than anything there. I don't really have any stats to back up that decision. And, Fair uh, and there, I... there probably aren't any stats to back up that decision either, if I'm being <laughs> honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would honestly start Hurst pretty confidently over Kyle Pitts right now, especially with uh, Jamar missing. Uh, just a higher over-under game. I believe he'll see yeah. more targets, and the Bengals will score more points. So I'd just I would rather have Hurst in my lineup right now it's sad to say but 
I don't think I'm dropping Kyle Pitts just yet. Just really have not seen the volume of uh, passes that we need to see for him to be consistent. Chicago at Dallas is our next game. Dallas favored by 10 points in this one, over under 42.5. I have been uh, playing the Cowboys quite a bit this year. Too much success on the best bet sheet, but I think you might find me going the other route here with this one. 10 points, just a lot to lay for a uh, Cowboys offense that seems to be still figuring it out, but we'll see uh, what I end up doing with that one. On the Chicago side, we're not really considering many of these options. Again, uh, another tough matchup. They showed out pretty well against New England last week. That's what gives me a little confidence in them at plus 10. But that being said, I'm not ready to pivot to them in fantasy. Justin Fields uh, leading the way. Encouraging result for him last week, as I said, but we're still waiting and seeing on Justin Fields. Don't mind him as a stash candidate if your league is very aggressive about uh, rostering backups. On the running backs, uh, I'm... Not very confident in them this week. I know you probably have to start David Montgomery if you have him, again, with all these injuries and with the uh, the two you know mega teams on by for fantasy purposes. Uh, I, I don't see myself getting away from Monty, but if you do have better options, I don't mind it. Dallas is the number one ranked defense against fantasy running backs, and again, if they get down early, I could see them not having the rushing volume they normally would. And if it's split between him and Herbert, it could be a tough week for both of them. Uh, I'm still leaning Montgomery out of this backfield just because he seems like the, the first guy out of the shoot. But if Herbert plays well, I, I just I could see both of them kind of disappointing this week. I don't know how you feel about them, but I'm trying to avoid if I can, but it's going to be hard with Monty. Yeah, I, I think I'm playing Monty this week. Like you said, it is a tough matchup, and this the coaching staff did say that they're leaning towards a – um, hot hand approach when it comes to the running back room. So if Khalil Herbert pops off a couple, you know, he may end up just getting the majority of the workload that day. We haven't seen that yet, so I'm still leaning my, still leaning to be more comfortable with Montgomery on a week-to-week basis. Um, I, I Like I said, I'm going to play Montgomery. I think you have him at a, at a solid spot as a back-end RB2. Um, Khalil, and you have Khalil Herbert perfect as well he can be started in a pinch but if, if Montgomery dominates the carries and they're playing against a really good Dallas um, rush defense then his his floor is super low so I'd, I'd still play Montgomery again super confident eh, not really and then Herbert only in like very certain circumstances where you just have no one else or you know you have a couple Chargers guys or a couple Chiefs guys that you don't want to drop or something like that has to be happening I think for Herbert to be uh, started this week. Might be slightly controversial, but I think I would make the pivot to Algier over Montgomery this week. Uh, again, just the tough matchup for the Bears and the Khalil Herbert factor scaring me off of Monty a little bit right now. Uh, better matchups ahead, so I think Monty will be fine, but I am a little bit scared of his prospects this week myself. Yeah, that's that's bold. I don't know. I think I'd still leave Montgomery on that side, but that that is a bold a bold take. I like it. Definitely a non-PPR. I would probably still go Monty in full just because he yeah, sees a few fair. targets a week. And then uh, in half, I think I would still go Algier just, again, because I'm, I'm scared that he will end up getting worked out of this game plan if uh, they go down early. And uh, Darnell Mooney seems to have the game script you want for uh, the wide receivers in Chicago. I'm still probably not uh, recommending him as even a flex just because this Chicago offense could get some completely shut down in this one. I like what I've seen from the passing offense. It's becoming around a little bit. They've, you know, passed the Atlanta Falcons as far as being a respectable passing offense, which <laughs> is sad on Atlanta's end, but nonetheless true for Chicago. 
I think yeah. Mooney's a good bench stash. I would probably be avoiding him again this week. Uh, if you have to throw him in there, I, I don't hate it, honestly, just because I think Chicago is going to have to throw a decent amount. And while Dallas is a good defense and Trevon Diggs is a very good corner, he is a risk taker. So big plays are you know on the table here with this Cowboys defense. For sure, yeah. Um, I think he's kind of similar to Herbert in a, in a pinch. I don't mind him being started, but he's a guy that I just want to hold. Um, and kind of just continue holding. Like you said, this this passing game is it's starting to become more relevant. Um, I, I just think they're going to have an absolute dud of a game against Dallas this week. I know you mentioned potentially taking Chicago plus 10. I was considering laying the 10 points with Dallas, as surprising as that may sound. Um, obviously, a very um, not sharp bet there on my part, but... I feel like Chicago feels really, really good after beating the Patriots in primetime last week, and typically whenever you're coming off a high like that, you you tend to disappoint when you're one of these up-and-down teams. So um, I'm going to lead that into, I just think this offense may get completely shut down. Points may be limited all around. That's why I want to hold Mooney again this week. Uh, But he is starting to become a, a flexible player again, which you could not have said after week one, two, or three. So he's moving up, but... Not not quite enough yet for me in this tough matchup. Yeah, Vegas agrees with you. Uh, the Bears obviously hung 33 on the road against the Patriots last week, and then Vegas turned around and gave them 16 implied points against Dallas on the road. So the, Vegas is not sold on the Chicago offense either. I do not blame you for. I mean, they threw a party the in, in the locker room, room after beating beating the Patriots, who are also, I believe, another team that's under 500. So <laughs> they they won yeah, their Super Bowl on last Monday. Right, that kind of tells you where they're at uh, as a team right now, but hopefully they can continue the momentum for Chicago's sake. Uh, On the Dallas side, um, I think these options might disappoint you a little bit, other than one of them that I really like that we'll get to in a second. But Dak Prescott is someone I'm sort of trying to avoid this week. These type of game scripts at home with uh, the big, you know, heavy line that Dallas Cowboys have often work against the quarterback in the way that. You know, they're probably not going to be needed. I, I would expect under you know 30, pa- 30 passing attempts for Dak, and if he doesn't run one in, then that's just not going to leave a ton of opportunities for him to get fantasy points for you. So I would probably be pivoting to a few of these streamers that I like if you can, if you have the roster spot. Uh, if you have to drop someone good to play them, I would just go ahead and keep Prescott in there. But you know, yeah. if you've got the room, then I would go ahead and play guys like Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, and Derek Carr over Dak Prescott this week. I just like their matchups better. And uh, again, if the Cowboys are up in this one, I expect them to lean on the running game because Chicago's defense has been giving it up to the running backs uh, all year, basically. Yeah, you. I literally am looking at my my player notes that I have, and in my mid tier streamer quarterback, I have Dak, Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, Derek Carr. And my dope for Dak Prescott is I'm reluctant to play him because I feel like this is just going to be a run heavy offense against Chicago. And you literally just took everything I had to say away from me. So <laughs> great points on your part there. That's you nailed it. I'm right there with you. I, I would look to avoid Dak this week for all the same reasons Nick just said. Just don't see a ton of upside for Dak. I think you might yeah. get a 250 and two performance out of him, but uh, don't see it going much higher than that this week uh, against this Bears defense. And again, just without the Bears offense, probably providing a ton of scoreboard pressure on him. The one play we do really like this week is Tony Pollard. If Zeke sits, he's basically an RB one at that point. You're you know not 
There's no way you're pulling him out of your lineup if Zeke plays. Probably more of an RB2 just because, obviously, we'll see a few less carries for him. But I still like him, even if Zeke's in there for the reasons I mentioned earlier. I would expect them to you know, rest Zeke a little bit more than they would normally if he's in the lineup. So uh, I like Pollard a lot. And again, you're at home. You got a huge line. Uh, you should be up in the game. And uh, the Chicago rush defense has been their weakness thus far in the year. So like Pollard quite a bit should be in your lineup, even with uh, even with Zeke active, if that comes to pass. On the wide receivers, uh, we've got CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup as the two options I'm looking at. I think Lamb is just too good to sit. I want to see that target share come up a little bit. Dak Prescott is more prone to spreading the ball around than his uh, backup Cooper Rush was, so a little bit disappointing for Lamb's prospects moving forward. And again, could end up being a lower volume passing day for the Cowboys, so just watch that with CD. But you know, just too good to sit. You're not you're not uh, avoiding Lamb uh, this week. And then Michael Gallup, uh, another game that just does not profile very well for him. He put up a goose last week against Detroit at home, mostly because, again, they did not have to throw the ball very much. I could see a similar recipe, you know, coming out of this week. I think you're looking for a touchdown for Michael Gallup to be happy out of him. I just, I don't see him getting eight or nine targets in this game. Definitely someone I'm holding on to for future matchups where the Cowboys have to put the ball in the air a little bit more, but I am avoiding Gallup this week with, uh, you know, the, the lower volume passing day most likely coming from the Cowboys. Do you have any disagreements on the wide receivers there? I, I do not. I agree with you. You can't sit Lamb, even though I do expect him to have, um, probably a lesser weekend than, than we come to expect from him. And then, yeah, with Gallup, you can't drop him because he's going to be a startable wide receiver in most leagues at some point this year. But I I can't feel confident playing him. Um, I'm just going to throw one name out there for you. Would you start Darnell Mooney over Michael Gallup this week? I would. I expect okay. him to see a few more targets and just has the opportunity for a bigger game in my mind than Michael Gallup does. Probably a slightly higher chance of a touchdown on Gallup's side, but I think Mooney could hit a big play or two against this Cowboys defense with uh, the Bears likely coming back in the game in the second half. Um, Dalton Schultz, <clears throat> the only other option I want to talk about here for the Cowboys. With Dak back, I'd call him a low-end starter. I'd probably put him above guys like Kyle Pitts and Greg Dulcich, who we've talked about. Seems like he's going to get five or six guaranteed targets every week with Dak in the lineup. He just uh, is a solid outlet for him and is pretty consistently involved when Dak is the starter. I will say that Schultz does not look 100%. There was a few times last week I was watching that Detroit-Dallas game where he limped off the field after getting tackled, but he just kept coming back. He's limited in practice right now because of his knee, so there's a chance of re-injury here, and maybe he exits, but uh, you know, it seemed like he was pretty resilient last week playing through it, so I, I think he's a fine option. Definitely a bump up in PPR formats because I think you're going to get a guaranteed four or five catches from him. Yeah, and especially in a matchup like this where we expect it to be a blowout on Dallas' side, or at least somewhat of a blowout, there's always that uh, touchdown potential too. When when you're looking at the tight ends, the touchdown is very key, and I think Dalton Schultz has a good chance of getting in the end zone this week as long as he's healthy and he's out there for the majority of plays. Now, if he's 50%, I'm going to take away everything I just said, but I think he is also a fine play this week. Yeah, if Dalton Schultz has a little bit of a down game this week, whether it be because of the lower passing volume or because of his injury, I think I would look to maybe trade low for him because I think he'll be a solid tight end option uh, moving forward the rest of the year, assuming he does not you know, re-injure that knee to a great degree. They're going to have a bye. Yeah. Hopefully, by the time they come back from that, he's healthy. 
Miami at Detroit. This is a game you want some pieces of. Miami is favored by three and a half on the road in this one. Over under a very juicy 51 and a half. On the Miami side, two is a smash play this week. I'd almost call them a borderline top five type of play. Again, just a ton of implied points in this one and a defense that is very exploitable for uh, Miami's options. So definitely your hat, you have Tua in your lineup unless you know you have one of the elite guys uh, this week. But I don't see a way you're not starting him. Raheem Mostert, same deal. He's a high-end RB2 for me. He was limited in practice on Thursday after being full on Wednesday, so slightly concerning there. Keep an eye on it, but if he's in, he's uh, you know he's been really good the past four weeks, and he's about to come up on four really good matchups this next month. So if you have Raheem Mostert or you you know been holding on to him, good for you. As long as he stays healthy, he's going to have a nice little run here for the next few weeks. Uh, on the wide receivers, Tyreek and Jalen Waddell, they're in your lineup, no questions there. And then Mike Kosicki, I'd call him a low-end streamer. I think he is a little bit more interesting just because of the matchup, but I I don't – I'm just not a Kosicki fan. I think both of us kind of agree on that. I, yeah. I can just – he seems to have games where he just gets completely phased out of the game plan, and it's really hard to know when that's going to come. So I, I like to have somebody that has you know a little bit more guaranteed touches uh, from the tight end position. I don't love the guys that fully goose me, but – you know, tight end is tough. If you have to throw him in there, I get it. I would probably just look to other streaming options myself. I completely agree with you when it comes to Mike Gusecki. Um, he's just not – and granted, the tight end position is super inconsistent anyway, so I'm going to sound like an idiot saying this, but he's just – he has this, the highest chance for a zero out of startable options at tight end. It seems like every week when I'm looking at these lists of 18-ish tight end options, I'm always putting Gusecki at the bottom. I, I just I don't know what it is about him. I just don't like him for fantasy. Um, he does have the boom games, but they're just they're so far few and far between. There's a chance for a zero or a one reception game, and I just I don't want to have to worry about that. That's a lot of volatility to have in your lineup, which the tight end position is. But I'd rather go with someone like a a Robert Tanyan who's going to have his three or four catches for thirty yards just about every week, and I know I'm going to have solid points in that position. So. I think that's more of a philosophy thing, but I don't know. The tight end position is just weird. I just don't like Mike Gusecki. Yeah, I would go to a, a guy like Greg Dulcich that we just talked about 100%. previously instead of Gusecki myself. Uh, Dolphins are pretty easy for me. Gusecki, obviously the uh, the low-end streamer, but Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, Dream Mostert, Tua, all of them are in your lineup, and you should be happy to have them for this, for this week at least. For sure. On the Detroit side... Jared Goff is a low-end starter in what is, again, a uh, you know just a good matchup environment that we have here with a 51.5 point over-under. The Dolphins' secondary is extremely beat up right now, so they are beatable there, and Jared Goff should be able to have a decent game here in what, you know, the, obviously the Dolphins are going to be able to put up points, so we're thinking that Goff should have to sling it for the, uh, the Lions in this one. Would you play Jared Goff or Dak Prescott against the Bears? I think I would go Goff myself. So I would initially, if you would have asked me when I was making my rankings, I would have told you Dak Prescott. But after we talked about that Chicago game, I think I'm just off of Dak Prescott for this weekend. So I think I think you convinced me well enough to, to leave him alone. So I would actually also go Jared Goff. I had him. I had Goff as a low-end streamer and Dak as a mid-tier streamer. I would probably flip them after we talked about Dallas. So I would slightly lean Goff. The only thing with Goff is he's had a couple weeks where he's had matchups he should have smashed, and he's he's dudded you. So a little, you know, got to add the stones to play him, which I'm unfortunately doing in a league this week. But um, it, it 
should be a week that he, he booms, but we've had a couple of those that he's dudded, so that's just unfortunately in the realm of possibilities with him. Yeah, definitely a lower floor than Dak Prescott for sure, but a much higher ceiling in my mind just the way this game could go. I think we could potentially see a light, you know, a lighter version of that Seattle game earlier this year where there's just going to be points flowing and you want parts of this game. I think golf would probably be the last streamer that I would go to above Dak. If I had rankings, these guys would probably be back-to-back, but I would put golf one spot higher. So like the potential for a boom week for him this week. Uh, running backs, DeAndre Swift is trending towards playing finally. Uh, first game since week three. The workload may be slightly limited, but he put in full practices on Wednesday and Thursday. So if he's out there, you're definitely playing him. And then uh, Jamal Williams, obviously that puts him on the back burner a bit. I would not expect them to you know, throw 20 carries DeAndre Swift's way his first week back, though. So Williams is still a you know a flex option for you better in non ppr leagues again uh, a week that we expect quite a bit of scoring so if they get a goal line opportunity or two he could see a touchdown uh, maybe two on that end but jamal williams kind of is what he is you'd expect 10 to 12 carries a chance at a touchdown and if you don't get one you're probably not going to be happy but at the running back position you could do you could do worse than jamal williams this week do you have any disagreements on the running backs there no i don't disagree with you i I do agree. I, yeah, I agree with what you said. Jamal is still playable just because there's no way they're just going to turn around and give it to DeAndre Swift with a full workload. They weren't even doing that before the injury. So Williams is still fine. He's a touchdown possibility every time they get on the goal line. So I, I think he's still a fine play. I would play him over the Denver options if I had to make that decision as well as over Kareem Hunt in Cleveland. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to harken back oh. to that decision we made earlier. And, uh, yeah, Jamal Williams over gotcha those guys back. for sure. For sure. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Stealing each other's analysis, that's probably a good thing in the long run. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown is the guy we're considering for the wide receivers. Uh, it's a little scary. He's goosed you the last couple times out, mostly because of injury. But I'm okay going back to him in this one. As I said earlier, uh, Miami's secondary is extremely beat up right now. And the, you know, the Lions are going to have to throw quite a bit in this one, I would assume, with the Dolphins probably putting up a decent amount of points. And, uh, you again, you just want parts of it. Amon Ross St. Brown is the number one, and if he comes back and he's cleared from the concussion, I, you know, I don't have any worries about him. Hopefully, uh, that, you know, that gave time for him to heal up his other injuries. He had a few other ailments coming into last week, so if he's good from the concussion, I am just fine throwing him out there. Uh, the other options are a little scary to me, though. Josh Reynolds goosed you last week. Khalif Raymond's been more involved. I'm probably not pivoting to any of those guys just because of the unknowns there. Uh, Amon Ra, I am fine with, though. Yeah, if Amon Ra misses and and you just have to find someone to play, I don't mind taking the shot on Josh Reynolds, but that's the only situation that he should be in a fantasy lineup. Other than that, just go with Amon Ra St. Brown, this next guy we're going to talk about, and then just avoid the pass-catching options. Yeah, Reynolds himself is a little banged up. Uh, he's been limited with a knee injury. Looks like he's going to give it a go once again, but you know that has been bothering him as well for a few weeks. So another guy on Detroit that is uh, not 100% healthy right now. Yeah. Hawkinson, our perennial tight end seven. I would probably put him right about there this week, maybe a slight bump up for the matchup. But again, if you have him, you're probably starting him. He's better than the streaming options we've talked about, but he's just a tier below uh, the solid starters like the Kittles, the Goddards, and the Zach Ertzes of the world. Just yep. come to, you know, got to know what you got to know what to expect out of Hawkinson. If Monroe St. Brown is out in this one, maybe a slight bump up and maybe worth a look in DFS, but that's about it on uh, Hawk Daddy. 
Yep, <laughs> I'd, I'd agree with Hot Daddy there. Um, I accidentally, I actually did have to bump him up to number six on my list because of uh, Travis Kelsey taking the week off. So unfortunately, T.J. Hawkinson's going to have some uh, extra pressure on him this week, getting bumped up to tight end six. Yeah, he generally does not handle that very well when expectations <laughs> are put on him. From somebody that rostered Hawkinson in a lot of places last year, I can tell you that for sure. Um, next game here, Arizona at Minnesota. We have another pretty juicy over-under in this one. Minnesota favored by 3.5 at home. Over-under is 49. On the Arizona side, um, a lot of these options you'll see on both of these games are going to be starts where, you know, if these are guys that you're considering on the on the on the fence they're probably over the fence this week because of their matchup kyler murray he's obviously in your lineup he's a uh, mid-tier starter i'd probably would you start him or Tua? let's say if you had to make that decision in a league i could see that being possible yep so i actually i have both of them in my starter tier for this week and they are back to back um i have kyler over Tua. i'm now they're in the same tier for me so i think they're very similar plays um if you're making this decision I'm I'm just I'm gonna lean. Uh, dang, that's tough. I'm gonna go Kyler just because the rushing upside's there, and if he could just throw a couple of touchdowns, he'd be really really good for fantasy football. But like I said, I think they're both very similar. I think two is probably the safer play. But again, if you're needing someone that can score you more, I'd probably go Kyler. Yeah, these are the types of decisions I really don't like hanging my hat on. Um, I think you can basically just flip a coin. They're both good options. They'd probably be ranked you know, in the top six of quarterbacks this week on both yep. sides. So it's hard for me to say one of them's definitely going to be better than the other. But I would agree with you. I'd go Kyler just because of his guaranteed rushing numbers. Um, you know, if Tua ends up being vultured on the goal line by his running backs a few times and only ends up with one touchdown. Uh, Kyler Murray would do better in that situation just because he you know, has the rushing upside that Tua does not. So yeah. I would go Kyler uh, if all was being equal there. If you do uh, have both of those backs, guys, I would – sorry. If you do have both those guys, I would probably look to trade Kyler Murray if you can. Um, he does actually have a pretty decent schedule coming up, but you may be able to get a decent return for Kyler Murray. I don't think you'd get the same return for Tua. So if you do happen to be rostering both of them, I would consider that if you can make a move. But uh, just because I think every week it's going to be hard to have to make that decision between starting both those guys. So I would just try and avoid that and get a different asset on my team. And I think I could yeah, say that about any of the high-end quarterbacks. So, any Right, yeah, I think I'm fine with Tua as my starter the rest of the year as well. Um, just note, he does have a week 11 bye, not necessarily on the horizon, but a couple weeks from now. So just make sure you have a backup for him if you do that. But go ahead and trade Murray if you have uh, if you have Tua as a backup. He has some soft matchups coming up, so he should be yep. a solid play moving forward. Uh, James Conner is, again, Ow. like I said, back at practice. He's out. out? Yep, Cliff Kingsbury said he's out for this week. I got the notifications a couple minutes ago. All right. Well, there we go. All right, thank you, Sleeper, for that one. Always updating us pretty quickly. So I'll go ahead and shift my analysis to Eno Benjamin. I would be pretty pretty confident starting him in the RB2 slot. We saw him dud against a soft matchup, uh, you know, two weeks ago against Seattle. So just know that that possibility is exi- exists for Eno Benjamin, but hard to turn your back on the uh, the workload he's getting right now. Again, in a high over under game, I am just fine playing him as your RB2. Uh, on the wide receivers, we're starting DeAndre Hopkins for sure. This is a soft Minnesota secondary. Should be another good week for him. And then Rondale Moore, I'm hoping he gets some more time in the slots with Robbie Anderson getting worked in after his trade. 
he did not look good in the on the outside last week playing a lot there uh, with Robbie Anderson not being a full-time player yet. So hoping Rondell Moore finds, uh, finds his groove in the slot once again. Seems like that's more conducive to his talents. I'd probably stay away from him just because I don't know if they're going to make that switch just yet. But I think Moore is someone worth holding on to. And if you're desperate, you can throw him in there with a high over-under. But again, we had a 42-34 game last week. And he had one catch for 31 yards. So uh, a low-end floor is is on the table for more here. Just someone I kind of like as a player myself, so I would be holding on to him. And then uh, Zach Ertz is an obvious start as well, as I mentioned earlier. He's locked into the uh, the starting tier of tight ends, especially in a high over-under game such as this. Yeah, Anything I think Arizona. Arizona? Yeah, Arizona's really easy. Quarterback, running back, well, you know, Benjamin at running back. Hopkins is Ertz. You're starting all those guys. And then Moore's a fine flex option. Um, probably boom, or definitely boom bust. He could complete, I don't know if he can completely dodge it because I think he's going to have a couple receptions. Uh, but uh, he's, he's a fine play. I, I agree with you there. And in deeper leagues, don't mind uh, holding on to Robbie Anderson on your bench, too, just to see if he can carve out a role for himself in this uh, hopefully high-powered Arizona offense as the, the year moves on. But probably deeper league consideration there with Robbie. On the Minnesota side, uh, Kirk Cousins is a solid play this week. He's probably just a little bit below uh, you know, the Murray and the Tua tier that we just talked yep. about, but he is in the top 10 for sure. This is a soft matchup against Arizona at home with a high over-under. Those are the types of games you want to start your quarterbacks in. And then uh, Dalvin Cook falls into the same boat. Justin Jefferson as well. Both of them are definitely in your lineup. And then even Adam Thielen I like quite a bit this week as well. Uh, I don't know if Byron Murphy is back this week. I should have checked before we started. But if he is, I think we could see a few extra targets go Adam Thielen's way. He has actually seen between seven and nine targets every week since week one week one he only had four every week since then he's had seven to nine so i think you can rely on adam thielen as a solid maybe back end but uh solid nonetheless wide receiver two in your lineup i think he has a pretty good chance to score this week as he does most weeks and then uh herb smith jr i actually like quite a bit this week i sort of forgot that the arizona cardinals were such a soft matchup against tight ends when i made my notes but uh, upon realizing my mistake, I'd probably move him up a little bit. I think I might put him over the streaming guys we've talked about, the Dulcich's, the, uh, the Hursts, and even Kyle Pitts. I'd probably play him over. Uh, Arizona just gives it up to the tight end position. We've seen that pretty consistently throughout the year. Last, year, last week, the Saints actually had two viable tight end plays, Jawan Johnson scoring two, tight end, two touchdowns and Taysom Hill scoring one as well. So Irv Smith Jr., I'm pretty confident in. You can throw him in there. Uh, again, if you have a, a, a Gerald Everett or a Travis Kelsey, this is a good guy to uh, to pivot to. Yep, he's he is the last guy in my low-end starter tier for tight ends for this week. Like you said, the Cardinals just give it up to tight ends. I think it's fairly a uh, fairly easy plug-and-play here for Irv Smith. So I think he's a great play. And like you said, you know Adam Thielen, you know, back in wide receiver two, wide receiver three, he's going to be in your lineup. And then Jefferson, Cook, and Cousins all deserve to be this week as well. So really good game for uh, fantasy options here. Hopefully it's high scoring like we all kind of expect it to be. Yeah, Byron Murphy looks like he is playing in this one too. So that'll be the ultimate test against Justin Jefferson. That'll be a fun matchup to watch on Sunday. We'll see if uh, Murphy is up to the task. That's a pretty tough one uh, to, to, to have for yourself there. So we'll see what happens this Sunday. Our next game, another pretty juicy one here. That's Vegas at New Orleans. Uh, Las Vegas favored by one and a half on the road. Over under is a very nice 49 and a half points here. 
Uh, Derek Carr, as we've mentioned so far this show, is a good streaming option. I'd probably play him over Dak and over the Geno Smith-Daniel Jones options that we talked about earlier. I think he's probably in the low-end starting tier this week instead of the streamer. Streamer tier, I'd probably play it, put him just below a Kirk Cousins. So uh, Derek Carr is someone that I don't mind putting in your lineup this week. Again, with the the, the high over-under and this New Orleans secondary being banged up, looks like Marshawn Lattimore is going to miss another week. They have been giving it up quite a bit to the quarterback position so far this year. Um, Josh Jacobs, obviously in your lineup. Uh, Devontae Adams, same for him, especially with Marshawn Lattimore missing. I might even look to him in a DFS lineup just because of how bad New Orleans secondary has been without Lattimore in the lineup. And then uh, Hunter Renfro falls into that category as well. I think he's a solid flex option in this matchup. As he gets more worked in, he's put in full practices this week, so it looks like he's over that hip issue he had. And uh, I would play him over the Pittsburgh wide receivers we'll get to later. I'd play him over the Jacksonville wide receivers we talked about. I'd play him over the uh, the Jamal Williams, uh, you know, Hunt, Kareem Hunt, and Denver running back tier that we talked about earlier as well. Gets a bump up in half and uh, full PPR, but I like Renfro uh, in this atmosphere this week. Uh, any disagreements on the Oakland guys? Um, No, not necessarily any big disagreements. I think I'd still put Christian Kirk just slightly above Hunter Renfro just because I think he has the, the plus matchup in that uh, game. So, But other than that, I, I, I'd agree with you. The Pittsburgh wide receivers, I would have to maybe consider Pickens or Deontay Johnson over Hunter Renfro, but I think they're all kind of in that same grouping of player um, just, just because – uh, for Hunter Renfro, he's just the clear second wide receiver on the team. And then for those two guys, they're basically splitting, um, you know, either between receptions and touchdowns. So I, I think he's kind of riding that same tier as all of them. I think I'd have Christian Kirk solidly above Renfro. But after that, yeah, he's he's a good start over the rest of the options. Or right there. Yeah, I think him. I just I just really want pieces in this game. I, I like the app, uh, I like the over-under, and I might even take the over in this one, uh, even though it's up at 49.5. I just... I think these teams are probably going to go pretty back and forth. Both these defenses have been pretty bad uh, this this entire year and especially recently. Uh, Darren Waller's yeah. the one guy that's a tough call for me. Uh, he has been limited in practice so far this week. He's definitely not 100% yet, and uh, I could see the Raiders just going ahead and giving him another week off. Uh, and if he does, I'm even more confident in my Hunter Renfro pick. But yep. if Waller's in there, I I guess you got to start him. Uh, again, uh, this atmosphere is just one that could lead to a pretty big game for him. But uh, I could easily see him, you know, playing five or six snaps, re-injuring or at least tweaking that hamstring and then, you know, sitting out the rest of the game and giving you a goose. So just know that possibility exists if you go the, wall, uh, the route of Darren Waller. But probably too good to sit at the tight end position unless you have another solid option if he is active. Yeah, I guess. I... You just never know with Darren Waller, I guess. Like you said, he could come in five plays, you know, hurt that hamstring a little bit, and then he's done for the game. Or he could have, you know, six catches for 60 and a touchdown, and you'd look ridiculous putting him on your bench. But I think I'd still lead, the side of just ben- lead, lead to the sign of just benching him this week. Um, I think if I could get a Irv Smith Jr. on the waiver wire still, maybe even a Greg Dolchitz, I would consider it. I just – like you said, there's, there's a – a decent chance it's just a zero for Darren Waller, whether he doesn't play or he just plays a couple snaps and gets hurt. So I just want to, if there's a chance to have a higher end option just ready to roll on my bench, I definitely want it, and I would strongly consider them playing over, playing over Darren Waller. But hopefully he just takes the week off and then you just start someone else so you don't have to worry about that. 
Yeah, I would I would hope the 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 Raiders just make him inactive and let him get back to 100% before they they throw him out there. He's been dealing with a lot of soft tissue injuries the past couple yeah. of years. Uh, on the New Orleans side, Andy Dalton is someone you can stream. I think I'd probably put him just below the the golf Dak tier that we talked about earlier, but I like him quite a bit in this matchup. I recommended D- Davis Mills as a stream last week against Vegas, and he came through pretty well for me with a 302 effort. Yeah. Uh, if Davis Mills can do it, I think Andy Dalton can as well, especially at home in a game with a high over-under. We saw him sling the ball around last week against Arizona. For better or for worse, uh, he put up a pretty good fantasy game at the end of the day. So I think he can do something similar here against Vegas. Uh, the rest of the guys are pretty easy for me. Alvin Kamara and Chris Olave are obviously in your lineup. As I mentioned earlier, Jarvis Landry Michael Thomas probably missing this one. So Olave becomes a smash play, even though I'd probably put him in my lineup anyway, uh, even if those guys are active. And there's no other wide receiver I'm really pivoting to. It seems like it's just been uh, kind of a hodgepodge behind Olave while uh, the other two guys have been out. Um, and then Taysom Hill is the ultimate TD or bust tight end. I think he is who he is pretty much most weeks. You like the you know the high-scoring atmosphere in this game, just the potential for more touchdowns. So I, I don't mind streaming him if you have to go this route. Just know that the floor is pretty low, and you're basically counting on a touchdown, even though he has a pretty good, a pretty good odds of scoring one this week. So I don't mind Taysom Hill as a uh, streaming tight end. Yeah, I, I never mind Taysom Hill as a streaming tight end, unfortunately. Um, and if you do like to watch, you know, if you're someone who has to stream the tight end position and you want to see the see your player with the ball in his hands, Taysom Hill is a great guy to have. The issue is most of those just come with rushing opportunities. He's yeah, five nine five and three over the past four games. Um, just seems to get the majority of the work in the rushing game. Which, if they get around the you know end zone, he typically steals those from Alvin Kamara, but. I don't know. I'm starting to sour a little bit on Taysom Hill. Um, if you're in any kind of a full PPR league, I think Taysom Hill is a really sharp downgrade just because he has to get in the end zone for him to be viable, really, Agreed. amongst these other options. So if you're in a non-PPR, and like I said, you just like to see your players with the ball in his hands, Taysom Hill is a fine option there, but I'm probably trying to start to avoid him if I can. I mean, he, he can get in the end zone. He's a viable option for fantasy, but... I don't know. I kind of I kind of fell into the Taysom Hill hype. I, I thought he was going to get more snaps at quarterback than he has been over the past couple weeks since his boom game, and now I'm just kind of souring on him a little bit. Yeah, I think he settled into uh, being a streaming tight end. Has not bolted into the you know the starting tier as we thought he might with that big game against yeah. Seattle. Seems like that's going to be the outlier uh, this year. Jet, or Pats at Jets is our next game. Uh, New England favored by two and a half, and this one over under 40 and a half. This one's going to be pretty quick. Not a lot of options we like in this game. We're not considering Mac Jones. Ramondre Stevenson is a start. I'll be interested to see Harris's involvement another week back off of his, uh, you know, his injury. So uh, see if this becomes more of a 50-50 split. But for now, we're starting Stevenson, and you're putting Harris on your bench until we see it. Jacoby Myers, he's a fine flex option. I don't love him in this, uh, again, just not a game atmosphere we love, a low over-under, and the, the quarterback controversy is probably not helping matters in the uh, the wide receiver room for the Patriots, but uh, Jacoby Myers has been pretty pretty consistently the number one guy here, so I'd, I'd call him a, a low-end flex. I'd probably play him over you know, the, uh, the Jacksonville wide receivers and uh, the, the Denver running backs we talked about earlier, but not a ton of confidence in Jacoby. Uh, and then Hunter Henry, I'd put him in the streaming tier again. He's a very boomer bust tight end as well. 
I'd uh, probably put him just above a guy like uh, Mike Kosicki, but that's not a ton of confidence on my end. I'm hopefully having a, a better option than Hunter Henry at tight end. Anything to add on New England? I would go Evan Ingram over both Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki. So wow. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I don't want either part of the, either one of those two if, if I have the choice. Yeah, that's uh, if you're if you're recommending Evan Ingram in a tough matchup over somebody, you probably know where they stand in uh, in fantasy circles right now. So just yeah. know Hunter Henry needs a touchdown to have a good game. Yep. Uh, on the Jets side, pretty similar story here. We're not starting Zach Wilson. The running back room is very muddy right now. I would like to avoid both of them just to see where the split goes here. Uh, I'll play Carter if I have to because. Again, Robinson only been there for about five or six days, so you'd imagine Carter will be a little more involved. Uh, but again, we'll just kind of have to see how it plays out. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, they also will be going with a hot hand approach at running back, which is bad news for fantasy because it's going to be impossible to predict who gets more carries uh, week to week. I think that's probably how this is going to play out, unfortunately. And yeah. uh, for the wide receivers, do you have anything to add on those Jets running backs? No, I don't really have anything much to add there. And then the wide receivers, uh, Garrett Wilson and Eli Moore are both bench stashes right now. I think there could be a squeaky wheel game for Eli Moore coming up here. I'm not sure it's this week, though. Uh, again, low-scoring game against a divisional rival they have traditionally not done very well against. I think you just you need more than 15 to 20 throws from Zach Wilson to see what these guys can do, and I don't know if that happens this week. Yeah, I... Now, the, like at first, we were just waiting to see what Zach Wilson's tendencies are, but now he's just his tendencies are that he's just probably a bad NFL quarterback. I, you can definitely stash Wilson and more, and I definitely understand stashing them, but I, I can't have any confidence playing them unless I feel like Zach Wilson is going to throw more than fifteen to twenty times a game, which just doesn't seem to be happening very much right now. So you can keep stashing them if you want, especially Garrett Wilson. Um, Eli Moore, I don't mind dropping if there's someone better out there for you, but I've been saying that for the past couple weeks. And if you've been holding on to Moore for this long, then I imagine you're still going to be holding on to him. Pittsburgh at Philly is uh, the last game in the 12 o'clock slate. Philly favored by 10.5 in this one, over-unders 43. If you are good at math, you can uh, you know quickly deduce that that does not leave much for these Pittsburgh options. So I think you can guess we're not very excited about them. Kenny Pickett we're not considering. Uh, even in two quarterback leagues, I'm probably looking for a better option. Najee Harris, low-end RB2 based on volume. He's kind of the guy we have been discussing the last few weeks. I would call him kind of a low or a buy-low candidate right now, though. He's This is the last of the gauntlet of matchups that we talked about a few weeks ago. He has struggled as predicted, but uh, it opens up a little bit for him after his buy next week. So if you want to try to buy low on him, uh, maybe coming into this week just because his manager's scared of this Philly matchup, and then you get somebody that's a little better in the back half of the year. I don't mind it, but again, just know what to expect from Harris this week. He's going to get 15 to 20 touches, but he's probably not going to do a ton with them. Uh, yeah. Anything to add on uh, Najee? If you are, I don't know if I would trade for him, but he's definitely buy low. If you, if you feel like there's any chance of a turnaround, go get Najee Harris, and you have to do it probably this week because – once you hold the player through the bye week, you're going to have to get a premium if you're going to trade trade him away, especially if you're getting a player that has a bye coming up on the back end of that trade. So if you want Najee and you think the turnaround is going to happen, go try and get him uh, as soon as you hear this. Go make trade requests, try and talk to the, the uh, manager that has Najee and, and get that deal done before the bye week happens. Agreed. Uh, the wide receivers. George Pickens is probably the guy I'm going with if uh, I have to choose. 
Pickett, uh, at the very least, will probably have to chuck it quite a bit in this one. Uh, you'd imagine they'll be down to Philly early and often. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much they're going to actually be able to score, but the targets will probably be there for them. Uh, I'm not very excited to play any of these guys, though. This is a very tough Philadelphia secondary, and you know these guys have struggled with efficiency even before this game, and uh, going on the road to Philly is probably not going to cure those problems. So I would go Pickens out of this group, uh, but just not very excited about any of them. Yeah, I think Claypool's off the list for me. I know he had the boom game two weeks ago, but I'm, I'm not going to trust that. Not chasing it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then Deontay and Pickens are are kind of in a similar category. They're both boom-bust options for me. The thing with Johnson is is he gets the volume still as someone who's the clear best wide receiver on the team, even though I don't think he is anymore. And then Pickens is just a more explosive athlete and the guy who can break a play for a long touchdown if need be. So, um, again, they're all downgraded against a really good Philadelphia defense. I imagine Kenny Pickett's going to be under pressure every single time that he they're in a passing play. So I, I would go with Pickens, just hope maybe he can break a screen for you a couple times, not a couple times, but maybe for a touchdown or for just a chunk play. Um, and then if you're still in a full PPR, I think Deontay's fine just because he's going to get some target volume, but just ultimately the ceiling for him is kind of gone now. Yeah, I totally agree on the Pittsburgh wide receivers. Uh, Pat Fryermuth at the tight end position is the one guy I don't mind starting for Pittsburgh. Uh, Philly has struggled to defend tight ends, the one spot that they are weak at. And like you said, you'd figure pick, uh, Pickett's going to be under a lot of pressure in this one. That means uh, he'll be looking for his outlet. That is Pat Fryermuth. I'd put him probably right below TJ Hawkinson and definitely above all of the streamers that we've talked about thus far. Uh, on the Philly side, this is uh, going to be an easy one. We're starting them all, basically. Uh, Jalen Hurts is in. Miles Sanders is in. A.J. Brown's in. Dallas Goddard is definitely in. And then Devontae Smith, probably the one guy you're having questions about. You kind of just have to realize what he is. Uh, he's a you know back-end wide receiver, too, but just very boom-bust. Uh, if this Eagles offense just goes another way this week, if Sanders scores a touchdown, A.J. Brown has a good game, Devontae Smith could see his volume uh, dip a little bit, but he's probably too good to sit, and this Pittsburgh secondary does not scare you whatsoever. Uh, Philadelphia at home, I'm fine throwing Smith in your lineup. Just realize uh, you know, where the spectrum is with him. It does have kind of a low floor. Yeah, I do want to – I don't know if you saw this. I'm pretty sure it was a sleeper notification that I saw earlier, but the Saints are potentially in talks to uh, trade for Alvin Kamara. Not – sorry, not the Saints. The Eagles could trade for Alvin Kamara. So that would um, that would suck for Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders owners because you took the shot on him in the you know sixth through eighth round in the draft. You've been extremely happy with him, and he may end up being a backup to Alvin Kamara in a couple weeks, or I guess by next week. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, if someone's going to make a trade offer, try and get Miles Sanders for you. It's something I would at least consider depending on what you're getting back. Because uh, if Kamara does get traded to the Eagles, I'd imagine he'd be the, the number one guy there by, by a lot. Yeah, I think I would be pretty bad for Kamara as well, though. Not sure he would get yeah. nearly the same volume of touches. Uh, yeah, that'd probably just ruin a couple fantasy options. Uh, but if that is the case, you might want to go pick up Mark Ingram and stash him because he could be you know, at least a usable piece in the back half of the year here if he's the starter. Yep, I completely agree with that. Do you have anything else on uh, Philly or Pittsburgh? No, sir. I'll let you take the reins on the uh, the 3 o'clock games and the, uh, the Sunday and Monday night one as well. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and hop in here. We got Tennessee at Houston. Tennessee favored by two points over under 40 and a half. So we'll start here on the Tennessee side. Um, first, 
I think both Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis would be our you know, very low-end two QB or super flex options at the best for you. So avoiding both the options there. Derrick Henry, you're starting him. And then in the wide receiver and the tight end room for this team, no matter who the quarterback is, I'm avoiding all options there. I think Tennessee's pretty easy. Is there any any difference there that you have? No, Tennessee's very easy. You're starting Henry, and then if Willis ends up starting because Tannehill is uh, questionable right now, I would just be kind of interested to see how much he runs. Uh, if he becomes for the sure. starter and he's uh, you know running 10 to 12 times a game, he could be an interesting option. But, yeah, for this week, it's Derrick Henry, and it's no one else on Tennessee. Yep, and then on the Houston side, Davis Mills, um, nope, I'm going to lean away from him. But I do want to say thank you to Nick, who already brought this up once, but he did mention he was a decent option against Vegas last week. I put Mills in there because Russ was a scratch. Um, did not win that matchup, but it gave me hope. So for that, I appreciate it, Nick. Um, no running problem. back, Damian Pierce, must start, of course. In the wide receiver room, uh, I'm only going to bring up one name. That's Brandon Cooks for this week. Um, this one's a tough one for me. I think he could still be the wide receiver one in this t- on this team, but the offense is spreading around, spreading the ball around quite a bit. Um, it just seems like everyone's kind of in between three to five um, targets or receptions on this team. So it's hard for Brandon Cooks to get that fantasy value. Um, going into this week, I would be okay with playing Cooks, um, probably with the confidence of about a wide receiver three, um, which isn't very good. But Collins is questionable, uh, maybe banged up in, in the game. So this is the week for Cooks to go back out there, kind of reestablish himself. Um, and he is also always a trade candidate because he just gets traded about every other year. So he may be on a different team <laughs> by next week. So um, yeah. ultimately, I, I'd play him this week with a banged up Collins. I hope that he kind of reestablishes himself. If he doesn't and the volume's low, I will look for him to get traded. Yeah, make or break week for Cooks. I think if you go with a second straight bad week against another really soft matchup, especially with the you know Collins banged up, then it's going to be very, very tough to trust him the rest of the year. But if he comes out and gets 10 to 12 targets and has a good game, then I'll probably be pretty confident with him as a you know probably lower-end wide receiver two slash flex play moving forward. Yeah, for sure. And then I think at the tight end position, we both agree we're not even looking at this team. No, nope, sir. So. Washington at Indiana. Indiana minus three, over under 39 and a half. Absolute dud of a game here. Uh, <laughs> Washington quarterback Taylor Heineke. You can stream him if you want. I'd imagine there are better options out there for you in both. Um, two QB, he becomes somewhat interesting, but in all one QB leagues, I don't think he's um, someone you would think about. Running back Brian Johnson Jr., still low in uh, RB2 just because he is limited in the passing activity. Um, But in this game, in this matchup, he's the only running back that I'd want to start in this backfield. And then the wide receiver room, McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. McLaurin's the guy I want. Taylor Heineke seems to target him quite a bit when he's in there at quarterback, so I don't necessarily mind that. I'd probably have McLaurin at a wide receiver two to maybe a high-end wide receiver three and then a flex level for Curtis Samuel this week. Yeah, I like McLaurin. Uh, I think he'll get a decent target share. He's just a boom-bust guy uh, with Heineke in the lineup. And then Samuel, in a full PPR situation, is okay. If you want to throw him in a flex, he'll get you know his manufactured touches and – is a little bit more of a guaranteed catch volume than Terry McLaurin because he'll see his targets come closer to the line of scrimmage, but does not have as high of a ceiling because of that same fact. So, uh, you know, just kind of know what you do, what to expect from these guys. And then Brian Robinson Jr. is 
a back-end RB2. I don't love his uh, – don't love him this week. The Colts defense is tough, and this over-under is very low, but he should see quite a bit of volume, so it's going to be hard to get away from him with all the uh, the running back injuries and the buys this week. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to point out, luckily, you know, obviously if you have Austin Eckler, that sucks, but luckily at least none of the Chiefs wide running backs have been fantasy, you know, relevant the past couple weeks. So injuries are hurting you a little bit, but if you, you know, if you have to start Brian Robinson, I don't mind it. And then Logan Thomas, uh, no thank you. I just, I don't want to have the third pass catching option, maybe even fourth pass catching option on this team with Taylor Heineke, a quarterback. Uh, yeah, no thank do you. you. Have, okay. And then moving over to Indianapolis here, great, uh, quarterback Sam Ellinger. Um, I'm going to say no. I, I don't think that he's worth even, a, a, you know, a speculative stream. Um, someone to keep your eye no. on, see if he's even worth I don't, I don't know. I, as a quarterback, I don't think he's going to be fantasy relevant because he's probably not an NFL-level quarterback if he's just now breaking into a starting um, starting role. So, granted, this team just – I don't know. I, I, I'm going to move off from Sam Ellinger. He's not a fantasy option. I, I question more about what he can do for the other options on this team. Uh, one right here, Jonathan Taylor, I think he's a must-start. He kind of gets a little bit of a bump up because you know they're going to be relying on the run game with Sam Ellinger and his quarterback. And this is where it kind of you know really brings into question for me are the wide receivers, Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce. I think they both uh, get a downgrade, uh, but I think Pittman is the guy that I'm, I'm still going to start you know, without question. He's been the, the wide receiver one for this team. They're going to have plays scripted for him. So he's going to get some targets. Now, can Sam Ellinger put the ball in the right place for him to turn those into receptions and, um, you know, potentially a touchdown or some rack opportunities? We'll, we'll see there. Um, but that's going to lead me into Pierce. I'm probably pivoting off of Pierce until I see what Ellinger can do. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of perplexed by this whole Indianapolis situation still. I know that uh, Matt Ryan had the injury that – they said they didn't even really like lead into this decision. So like they're just completely out on Matt Ryan, and I don't know because I feel like Alec Pierce was fine with a bad Matt, bad Matt Ryan, but I don't know if Sam Ellinger's even as good as a bad Matt bad Matt Ryan. So I'm kind of perplexed by Indy right now. Yeah, I think the biggest thing here with Indy is that you're going to see the pass volume come down quite a bit. Uh, as bad as Matt Ryan was playing, they were letting him sling the ball around. Uh, you know, 40 to 50 times a game if need be. And I just don't see that being the case with Ellinger, even in games that they're down. I think they're going to, you know, focus more on their run game. Alec Pierce, definitely not an option. You have to see it first with him, uh, with the new quarterback. And then Pittman, definitely a downgrade for him as well. You can probably play him this week because he's going to be the one here, and you'd hope he has a guaranteed six or seven targets. But I'm just interested to see uh, Ellinger's tendencies and if he can, you know, provide these options with a NFL-level quarterback play. Uh, I'm hoping that it's at least average. If, if you get that, you'll be happy, and Pittman should be fine. But... Uh, definitely worried about these pass catchers on Indy moving forward. Don't know what to expect. Yep, and then we can just lead all that into the the plethora of wide or tight end options on this team. Just a no, thank you <laughs> for yeah for right now, not. or probably for the rest of the season. I don't think there's a way that a tight end there is going to become relevant. But moving on into uh, a, t- a game with a lot more fantasy relevance, thankfully, San Francisco at the Rams. San Francisco favored by a point and a half. In Los Angeles, which this will probably be a 49er heavy game. Over under 43. Um, I think they're giving the defenses a little bit of respect with that over under. That may be bet on the over by me this weekend. Uh, but we'll start on the San Francisco side. Uh, Jimmy G, uh, just 
I think he's a low-end streaming option. Um, you know, you, you have Mahomes and Herbert out, and if you're in a league where people stash quarterbacks and you didn't, you may just kind of be stuck with them. Um, would you would you consider Jimmy G over Goff, Mariota, or and Jimmy G? Out of those three guys, how would you rank them? I would go golf way ahead of the other two, and then probably Jimmy G, and then Mariota, just because of the ridiculously low pass volume Marcus has had uh, the past few weeks. Um, I don't really feel very confident in either Mariota or Garoppolo, though. Uh, I'd much rather play golf out of these three. Yep, fair enough there. Yeah, I think I do agree. Golf is definitely a tier above. Uh, running back, Christian McCaffrey, I guess running backs, because I think we should have a little bit of a discussion here. There's a lot of concern, I would say, for people that are holding these running backs. Christian McCaffrey, I feel like this is his backfield now. He got a lot more work than I was expecting last week, even though it did kind of fade towards the end of the game. I would expect that he was a big part of their game plan this week, especially potentially missing Debo Samuel. Um, so he's, he's a smash play for me. And then Jeff Wilson, we'll talk about him first. At this point, I think he's just a handcuff insurance piece. May still get a little bit of, of a workload, um, but I don't think he's going to have enough for it to be fantasy relevant. Would you agree with what I've said so far? Yeah, CMC is in your lineup, and then uh, you don't yeah. trade what you traded to, to make him anything less than a featured back. So yeah. I think Jeff Wilson and Elijah Mitchell are both just injury handcuffs, same as you know maybe a Samaj P. Ryan or Alexander Madison. So uh, that's the only okay. reason to hold on to these guys. The fact yep. that there's two of them makes it even worse because I don't really know how the split would go if CMC were to go down. Yeah, I think if Elijah Mitchell's healthy, he'd kind of move back into the one role. So I think once Elijah Mitchell comes back and he's the backup for CMC, Jeff Wilson becomes droppable. Um, but I would hold on to Wilson for now because we know with CMC's injury risk that there any, any week he could go down for the rest of the season. So I would not drop his backup, especially one like Jeff Wilson who's been pretty solid so far. Yeah, I'd, I'd be okay dropping him personally. I just don't see, you know, I mean, obviously you have a couple more weeks until Mitchell comes back, but basically you're holding on to a guy that might have some relevance if CMC gets injured for two or three weeks. It, you know, I feel like there are better options to hold on to on the waiver wire uh, personally. Yeah, absolutely. And then so wide receivers, um, well, Debo Samuel, I, I think I'm kind of leaning on the side that he's probably going to sit this week, very similar to Zeke, just having the bye. Um in the following week just kind of makes sense for him. So if he does sit, that's a big bump up for Brandon Ayuk. But if Debo does play, I think I'm still putting him in my lineup because if they're willing to put him out there on the field with how important he is, I expect him to still get some of a workload. Maybe not. Uh, he may be used a little bit as a decoy, though. And then Brandon Ayuk, if Debo misses, he's a smash play. But I think he's a, he's a fine option if uh, Samuel were to play. My only concern with Ayuk is we know this team wants to run the football more than pass it, so I could just see the passing volume come down uh, considerably for, for all options on this team. Yeah, Ayuk is definitely in your lineup if Samuel sits. Same with Kittle. And then, like you said, if Debo is active, he's too good to sit. Uh, so I would go ahead and throw him out there if he is uh, active on Sunday. Absolutely. And then tight end, George Kittle. Uh, must start, I would say. Um, yep. And then... On the Rams side, Matt Stafford, he's a stay away from me this week. Um, I guess I'd have him as a low-end streaming option if you're if he's your guy, but I would be looking to make a pivot. The 49ers pass rush against this offensive line is just – it's a no-go for uh, me. And I, I know they had the week off to kind of game plan up for this game, but I still just want to – I want to avoid Matt Stafford if I can. Running back Daryl Henderson, solid RB2 this week for me. Um, I think uh, – 
Kyron Williams is is someone to keep an eye on, but Daryl Henderson's the only guy I'm starting for now. And then in the wide receiver room, Cooper Cup's the only guy I'm starting for now as well. Um, I'm going to try and stay away from Robinson for this week, but if you can possibly stash him, I would consider doing that through the weekend. Maybe after the bye week, he's he just got a little bit more worked into their offensive game plan. We'll, we'll kind of see that a little bit this weekend, but... Um, just when teams are coming off a of bye, things tend to change a little bit. So some of those pieces that are having rough starts may turn it around after a bye. Just someone to keep an eye on. Yeah, same with Van Jefferson. He's actually going to be making his season debut in this one as well. So if you want to stash him, I don't mind it. They clearly need a second pass catcher somewhere. So if that ends up being uh, Jefferson or Robinson, then that could be a valuable piece moving forward. So if you want to just pick your guy there and stash one of them if you want a piece of this Rams uh, passing game in the second half of the year. Daryl Henderson also, I would say, trade away candidate if he has a good especially if he has a good week this week it seems like they're really just trying to replace him they're in talks with the browns for kareem hunt and like you said kyron williams is somebody that could come back and eat into his workload as well even if they don't make that deal so i think if daryl henderson has a good week this weekend i would be looking to uh capitalize on that and get a piece that will be guaranteed you know guaranteed option the rest of the year yeah, I, I like that as well. And then Tyler Higby, he was the last guy I had on my starters list. If you uh, if you I, you had to have held him through the bye because he's been good so far. So he's right back in your lineup. Um, and then the New York Giants at the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle favored by three points over under 45. Uh, very interesting game here and surprisingly has some kind of playoff implications just as everyone expected <laughs> to start the season. So Right. Um, obviously, very early playoff implications, but two, you know, good good teams, which I don't think anybody would have expected to have this conversation uh, seven weeks in. But Daniel Jones is yeah. a mid tier streaming option this week, uh, very similar to some other guys that we have mentioned. Um, I think he's kind of in that golf, maybe Dak, Pres- Dak Prescott kind of category. Um, but I think I think I can agree. You're starting Danny Dimes over both Jimmy G and Marcus Mariota, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I would, I would sure. start him over golf and uh, and Dak that we mentioned earlier. Just like this yeah. game a lot. Uh, the over-under is 44.5, but it should be much higher than that. I think there's going to be a decent amount of points in this one. And the way Daniel Jones has been running, his floor is pretty high as well. If he gets into the end zone a couple times, he could have uh, a really good week. He was QB3 last week against Jacksonville. So that rushing upside is is very real. And I think the, the Giants have realized that and have you know, made that a part of their offense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the running back, Saquon Barkley, you're definitely starting him. The wide receiver room is yep. a little bit more questionable. Um, I would play Wandale in a pinch, which I am, unfortunately, in our little mini dynasty league because Alan Lazard wanted to uh, take the week off. So I would say Wandale is just a boom-bust <laughs> option. And uh, Darius Slayton, I, I'm staying away from him if I can, but I think he's just a worst version of uh, Wandale Robinson still in that boom bust category so I I would like to bench all wide receiver options on this team if I can they do have a decent matchup but I'm starting Wandale I'm hoping he finds his way into the end zone again I like Wandale a little more than you do actually I really don't mind flexing him this week uh, I think you know again just a soft secondary in Seattle should be a game with a lot of points and with the recent trade of Kadarius Tony, I think that is a vote of confidence for Wandale Robinson. Uh, he should be relatively involved. 
I think he is uh, over his injury issues. I'm pretty sure he was full practice report this week. So I am uh, just fine throwing Wandale in your flex if you're in a pinch, like you said. And then, yeah, Slayton, I'm probably not going that way out. Uh, he's just a lower-end version of Wandale Robinson at this point. Yep, and then uh, sadly, our, our Danny Dimes to Danny Bellinger connection oh. has come to an end for the time being. Um, there's this Sad. guy named Chris, and then his last name starts with an M that might be playing tight end for the uh, New York Giants <laughs> this weekend if you want to have someone out there to look for, but definitely no one to no one to consider streaming, unfortunately. Um, kind of sucks for yeah, Bellinger because he was, he was reaching that, that tier of streamable options nasty injury for Daniel Bellinger just as a guy as a, as a man I am you know hoping that he can heal up and be fine but he had a uh, an eye socket fracture because a defender you know got his hand in between his face mask so uh, hopefully he's all right pretty pretty tough injury there to come back from uh, probably won't be seeing him for quite a while though sad yeah. times Daniel Bellinger was working his way into being a, a streaming tight end absolutely and uh, Nick, I'm going to kind of go through these a little bit quicker. I got a request here at work. So if you want to add any more, Let's feel free to. Uh, but I think the rest of these are all actually pretty easy. Seattle quarterback Geno Smith, he's a mid tier streaming option for you this week. Um, just to kind of throw out some names there, are you starting him over Derek Carr or Daniel Jones? I would start him over Daniel Jones in this one. He, they'd probably be back-to-back in my rankings if I had him. He'd be yep. right below Carr. Uh, but, yeah, he's a he's a solid start this week. I don't mind him at all. Yeah, for sure. Running back, Kenneth Walker, he looks like he's that guy. Smash play. My the wide boy. receiver room. Oh, yeah. The wide receiver room, DK My Metcalf, boy. did not practice on Thursday. I'd make a plan to pivot. If he plays, I'm probably still going to try to bench him. But – um, the Giant, the Giants have been good against wide receivers, so I just don't know if I want to put a banged-up DK out there. Um, and then on Lockett's side, if DK were to miss, Lockett becomes a smash play. And I think Lockett's still yep. the right play, even if Metcalf were to uh, were to be healthy for the game. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Uh, would you, you look Marquise Goodwin's way at all if Metcalf is inactive, or are you not chasing those two touchdowns from last week? Uh, well, yeah, probably not chasing the two touchdowns considerably, but if... Metcalf were to miss and you were looking at one of those, you know, Pittsburgh options or, you know, the Denver running back options, good win someone to consider for sure, especially if you're in half or full PPR options. So um, definitely a name to keep on the radar if Metcalf were to be listed as out. But um, I don't think – like he's not worth like a stash or anything like that if you think DK is going to miss a couple of weeks. Um, which it doesn't look like he will. It, did, it looked like he was going to last week, but now it kind of looks like he may play this week or just miss one. So he may be a fine last-second pivot option if you need, but I think he's nothing more than that at, at this point. Yeah, 100%. Just smash the over in this game and then start the guys that we talked about, Walker, Lockett, uh, both the quarterbacks are options, and then uh, Saquon Barkley, and then Wandale in a flex if you need him. Yep, for sure. And then Green Bay at Buffalo. Buffalo now favored by 11.5, over under 47.5. Uh, let's start on the Green Bay side here. It has been rough, and it's even lo- it's looking even rougher this week with uh, Alan Lazard um, be- going to be out for the game. So Aaron Rodgers, um, if you're someone who has Aaron Rodgers still just locked and loaded in your lineup every week, it's time to make a pivot. Um, you know, he's he's due for a big game and I understand that but he just he does not like his wide receivers on this team there's no way you can put it to make me think that he enjoys throwing to any of these guys and if he could give Devontae Adams 25 million dollars out of his personal contract to come back I think he would so I I just just 
pivot. It's time to. Um, the running backs here, Aaron Jones, I mean, you're playing him. He's an RB2 for me this week. You're hoping he can get some more um, you know, passing volume or just more rushing opportunity with um, Lazard being out. Not that Lazard was a big target hog anyway, but just hoping for a little bit of an uptick in activity. Um, A.J. Dillon, I, it, it sucks when you look back at the draft time and, and all that we thought A.J. Dillon could be, but I think he may just be the best insurance slash handcuff option in the league. Um, I can't play him until this offense approves, and specifically he just gets more involved. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Jones, you're, you're starting this week. Again, he's going to be more necessary without Lazard. And then uh, I agree on Rodgers. Try to pivot if you can. And then A.J. Dillon, basically just a handcuff right now until this offense gets it going a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And then the wide receiver room, uh, I don't know if you want to go in-depth on this one here for me. Honestly, I think I'd, I'd probably just try to avoid him. Um, Dobbs, if you want to play and just hope he has a boom week with Lazard gone and him just kind of being the only option because Cobb is out as well, I don't mind that. But like I said, I just don't think Aaron Rodgers likes throwing these guys the football. So I just I could see this just being an absolute blowout by, by Buffalo. Um, I am interested to see what Christian Watson can do on the field. Rodgers did say he wants other guys getting reps because a certain guys are making mistakes. That, In the back of my mind, that makes me think maybe he's referring to Christian Watson. Maybe he wants Watson out there more often, and he may get that opportunity this week. That's 100% speculation. I have no evidence to back that up whatsoever than just that's the way I'm thinking. So Christian Watson may be a, a speculative ad for fantasy football managers this week. Yeah, I like that call a lot on Watson. Uh, he just seems very necessary to this offense. They need someone that can take the top off the defense. He's really the only guy that profiles that way in this wide receiver room. Dobbs is the guy you should play if you need to play somebody in this uh, in this pass-catching room this week, other than Robert Tunyon, who we'll get to in a second. But, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have a ton of confidence in him. Uh, this is a really, really tough matchup with Buffalo, and I could see him you know, dudding again. Uh, he has the past couple weeks in easier matchups than he has in this one. So... Not a ton of confidence in Dobbs, but he's the guy I'd go with if I had to play one. Yeah, and then Robert Tanyan, I think he's the only pass-catching option that I'd, I'd be excited to play this week. Um, it's still a tough matchup against Buffalo, so like a limited excitement there. But if you need to stream a tight end or if you've been streaming Robert Tanyan, I think he's a good play this week as well. Yeah, I'd probably play him over Pitts. I'd probably play him over Dulcich. I'd put him in the tier with Herb Smith and... Um, yeah. Who the other the other guy I talked about Hayden Hurst uh, the other guy I talked about earlier so the, out of those three I'd probably put him in the back end of that tier but he's right in there with those guys absolutely and then on the Buffalo side here quarterback Josh Allen you're playing him for sure uh, Devin yep. Singletary another week Devin Singletary is a fine play a limited ceiling but you know could should be a solid running back two week to week uh, my only concern for Singletary is this could be a blowout and James Cook could see. Uh, some involvement, just getting the rookie involved in basically garbage time. So I think that Singletary's ceiling is ultimately capped because I could see this being a blowout, but I'm still playing him this week at, with RB2 level confidence going into it. Yeah, the rare running back that blowouts are you know bad news for in Devin Singletary because they <laughs> you know, just don't need him in the second half of these games, unfortunately. Usually that means that the running back just gets to grind out the win and gets a ton of touches, but not the case in Buffalo. Uh, I think you got to start him just because this offense is so good, and Singletary has been very involved when the games have been close. So uh, I'd put him in there, but yeah, I mean that possibility does exist. 
Yep, and then Stefan Diggs, wide receiver one. Gabe Davis, a wide receiver two. Both are smash plays for me for sure. Um, yep. And then I think these two names are a little bit more interesting, unfortunately. Isaiah McKenzie and Khalil Shakir. Or Shakur. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Um, basically, I just want to get a temperature check for you. Do you feel okay starting McKenzie? Um, I'm starting to kind of get back into the camp that – this is looking like a split with McKenzie and Shakir, like we saw with McKenzie and Crowder earlier in the year. So I'm a little less confident. I think he's a, a very, very likely to bust, boom bust option. But I, I don't know. I'm probably leaning on to a different option if I can. How do you feel about him? Yeah, not a ton of confidence. Definitely has a low floor, but this offense is really, really good. So his potential for a touchdown is always there. Uh, and when I'm considering these kind of low-end flex options, uh, you know, I, I like to pick the guys that are on the better teams that have uh, the better chances for a touchdown. So I don't mind McKenzie in that respect, but I do agree. It seems like a uh, timeshare is on the horizon here between him and Shakir. So not super excited for him rest of season but i would probably make the pivot to him over you know like a zay jones level player if uh, if Fair i had enough. to make that choice which i absolutely do in our keeper league so <laughs> i have mckenzie in my lineup right now over zay jones yep and then uh, i forgot to put his name here but dawson knox i just have him as a low-end streamer that group with dulcich hurst irv smith i'm putting all those guys in over him yeah i would agree I'd probably play him over a hunter henry or uh, mike Kosicki, yep. but low-end streamer yeah, yeah. If you're in that Hunter Henry, Mike Kosecki, Evan Ingram category, I, I would, I don't know, try and make a trade or something because that's it's a tough world to live in. But Dalton last Schultz. game, yeah, yeah, Dalton Schultz for sure. Uh, last game on the docket here, Cincinnati at Cleveland, Monday Night Football. Cincinnati favored by three and a half on the road, over under forty five. Uh, just to save some time here, Nick, I'm gonna make this a little bit easy. Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd. All of those guys should be in your lineup this week. Yep. Uh, Hayden Hurst is the only guy that you can somewhat question, but I think this week and, and moving forward with, with Jamar Chase being out, I think he's a mid-tier streaming option. So I, you've highlighted him throughout the show multiple times. I think that he's a fine play this week as well. Yeah, I like him a little more than you do, I think. I'd probably call him a high-end streaming option. But, again, uh, similar spot for him. I if you have to go this route, uh, especially if you have Kelsey or Everett, don't mind him at all. With uh, Chase out, he should see a decent amount of targets. Absolutely. And then on the Cleveland side, to wrap things up, Jacoby Brissett, I don't think we're looking at even in two QB uh, options. Maybe if you had a, a Mahomes or a Herbert, you need a pivot. He's someone to consider, but just take a look at who you have. Running back, Nick Chubb, smash play, no doubt there. And then Kareem Hunt, this is where we kind of just have to have a little bit of a discussion here. Um, if he doesn't find the end zone last week, I think he's an auto bench because he. if you take those six points away, he's basically irrelevant. Or he was, he was irrelevant without the touchdown. So um, he, he's still in flex consideration. If you think he's going to maintain on this team and continue to get the workload he was getting at the beginning of the year, I'm on the other side of it. Obviously, I know the Rams have been a team that's been in a lot of trade talks. Um, I, th I just think Kareem Hunt's going to get traded by next week. So I see this week just being another low-volume week. Don't want him to get hurt. He may get traded by, by the time they play on Monday. So um, for me, I'm benching him this week. I just, I'm in the camp. I expect that he's going to get traded. And if they lose Monday and he's not traded, he's going to get traded after they lose because then they're basically out of playoff contention. 
You would think so. The trade deadline is Tuesday next week, so there's not a lot of turnaround there for the Browns. Uh, if he does remain on the team through the trade deadline, I think he should rebound uh, back to you know the touch volume he was seeing before. It just seems right. like the Browns kind of like to play it that way with their running backs. So I think either way, he's a trade for candidate right now. I would agree with benching him this week, but if he gets traded to a situation uh, like L.A. where he'd be the lead guy, he's going to have more value than he does now. And then even if he doesn't get traded, I expect him to get more involved in the coming weeks. So... I, I don't mind trading for Kareem Hunt if you can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if he duds again this week, it, I, well, I'm not going to say that because, if he, like I said, if he duds again this week, he's probably already been traded or about to get traded. And then that kind of – if he gets traded to the Rams, him. it's going to probably be hard to get him from that. Right, could, exactly. Yeah. But, yeah, if he duds again this week and you get someone that's completely worried about him, then you might be able to get him for, you know, basically just a bench piece. Uh, and I would probably make that move. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, if he if he has a sorry, this is what I was trying to say and I lost my complete train of thought. If he has a dud week and is not traded, 100% go get him because if he's not traded, they're they're going to continue to use him. There's no way you're just going to put Nick you're you're not going to have Kareem Hunt on your team for the rest of the year and not use him. So, um, right. And the worst case scenario for Hunt is he's an elite handcuff basically. He's like right. he's a higher end Alex Madison type guy where those guys oh, are yeah. probably rostered in most leagues and Kareem Hunt is just a guy that actually has some flex viability week to week on top of being, you know, a potential top five running back if Chubb ever gets hurt. Yeah. And then um, wide receiver Amari Cooper, I think he kind of just solidly finds himself in the back end as a wide receiver too. Um, fine yeah. play. Nothing really to say about Cooper there. Um, I will be interested in Cooper. May even be worth trying to take a look at uh, targeting him in a trade. We'll see what happen- happens when Deshaun Watson gets back. Um it's been a while since Deshaun Watson's played football, but you would like to think that, that would be an upgrade at the quarterback position. So if you can go get Amari Cooper, I think that's something to consider. Um, but he's just kind of locked in where he is right now with Jacoby Brissett. And then um, if you haven't heard the news yet, uh, David Njoku won't be playing this week and probably not next week. So uh, time to make some other plans, unfortunately. He's been a, a, staple, a staple in the startable tight end uh, consideration all year, and Unfortunately, with injury, you're just going to have to make some other options. Yeah, a tough two to six week timeline for him. So tough to know Ooh. exactly when he'll be back. And um, yeah, it's it's hard to drop him because he's been very good so far this year. But also very tough if you don't have an IR spot to to roster a you know back end starter at the tight end position for who knows how long. Could be uh, you know a longer absence than even just a week or two. Absolutely. Well, Nick, it has been. Uh... An hour and 40 minutes here, running through all games from uh, Sunday and Monday. So um, if we did not hit on anything that you have any questions about, uh, like, I, like I always say, DM us on social media, shoot us a text, however you can get in contact with us. We'd be happy to help you out. Um, except for if I'm playing you in, in a league, if one of my buddies in a different <laughs> league is listening to this. He, he shot me a DM and asked me who he should start in a week he was playing against me. <laughs> I was like, um, sorry, I'm going to I'm gonna go against my obligation as a podcast right. and not answer that for you. <laughs> I but, would say I wouldn't even trust the advice even if I got it, knowing the, the possible ill intentions there. So, yeah, yeah just, just I, be wary I can't remember the two guys. Yeah, the two guys he sent me, I can't remember, but I know I remember telling him telling him to start Jarek McKinnon. So if you if you go that route, I may end up throwing a name like that out there for you. But um, yeah, no. But besides that, I just if you have any questions about start sit decisions, let us know. We'd be happy to help you out. Nick, you have anything else to uh, throw out there for the people before we head out? 
not going to be a best bets pod this week, but we will throw out our picks on the socials. Make sure you take a look at those. We are quite uh, on the heater with the best bets right now. Uh, 6-0 and last week, so shout out to us for that one. Really solid performance from us. Uh, and uh, a little bit of a pat on the back to myself. 15-6 uh, and six so far this year on the best bets. 15-3 and three since week one. So if you're looking to put a little bit of action <laughs> on these NFL games, keep an eye on those best bets. Uh, we've been doing pretty well with them. Yeah, absolutely. Just, <laughs> just not the first week of the year. Which is actually like if you, if you think about it, the first week of the year should typically be your worst week because you just it's a blank slate. Like you never Don't know really who's know, actually right. going to be good, who's actually going to be bad, stuff like that. So yeah, fifteen three for the six weeks after. That's that is incredible stuff like professional betters don't hit at the clip that nick is right now so um yeah he's been he's been killing it i think i just got back to over 500 now i believe i uh yep. finally got past that mark so it was good i had my first three and a week last week so yeah we'll we'll get some good ones out there like i said that'll, that'll be out on social so twitter facebook um i'll throw it up on my instagram story as well and yeah i guess if you have any questions on bets i i I live in Kansas where FanDuel is legal, so, or gambling is legal. I use FanDuel. I bet a lot on there. If you have any gambling questions or if you want to throw out, like, hey, how do you feel about this game, DM me about that too. I love talking about gambling, especially betting on the NFL. So if you have any of that kind of stuff you want to hit on, definitely let us know there as well. But, Nick, I'm done rambling. It's been an hour and 45 minutes, man. I'm going to peace on out of here. Let's get you out of here, buddy. Uh, <laughs> good luck this weekend, guys. And, again, keep an eye out for those best bets. Yep. Peace out, everybody.